This podcast, as part of Three Point Stance Magazine, is brought to you by Monkey Knife Fight, where it's national championship and playoff time. If you haven't joined our site yet, you can today. Just use the code 3PSMAG when you make your first deposit, and your first deposit is on us. Good luck and happy prop betting from MonkeyKnifeFight.com. That's M-O-N-K-E-Y-K-N-I-F-E-F-I-G-H-T.com. Welcome to another edition of the Tom Green Podcast, where on this Saturday on the Tom Green Show, adrenaline is the word of the day, because I just came off of a night shift. I only slept about four and a half, five hours to get this podcast recorded, and with a can of Diet Coke, I am cracking open a fresh new edition of the show. Well, yes, I promise it's Diet Coke, not... Stuff that LSU drinks. Uh, so, we bring in an LSU fan, an LSU writer. He says you won the Heisman Trophy, even though Gerald Burrow disputes that. His name is Brandon Eisman. His Twitter name is at Heisman Eisman. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Thank you for having me on, Tom. Definitely. So, uh, so you're a so you're an LSU guy, of course, even though you're from Alabama. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I, I live in Alabama. I'm actually in Troy right now, where I uh, I'm a sophomore here at Troy University. I'm originally from Dothan, and I'll go ahead and spit it out. Tell you the reason why I'm an LSU fan. So sure. my parents, they're all big Alabama fans, of course, because we live here. Um, but my dad grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. He was actually born in Houston. Uh, he just he was. I grew up a big LSU fan, and so I kind of just, you know, took it down from him, and I've been an LSU fan ever since. Good deal. My dad is a huge, well, my dad's a huge Michigan fan. Mom likes state. I have, I had two uncles that went to state, and I had a cousin that went to Michigan. My cousin was a flag twirler in the Michigan band. So, naturally, I went with the maize and blue. Yeah, yeah, I bet bet those games that, the end of every November are uh, are kind of a, a chaos there with, with your family. Yes, um, mom kind of doesn't care any, much anymore, but I I have this feeling that the state fans are Twitter are the most annoying fan base in all of Twitter, and so it's all it's always great to beat Michigan State uh, when we can, and of course we're getting there in terms of Ohio State, but we still got a, a ways to go. <laughs> so, uh, Louisiana guy, even though you're in Alabama, your Saints lost, but your but your Tigers are going to the championship game. So, how are the mixed emotions going about down there? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, for me, Tom, it, it's kind of like you know I'm kind of getting used to the the Saints losing in the playoffs and not going to the Super Bowl. Uh, look, the last three years for New Orleans, they've been defeated. Uh, go back to the Minnesota Miracle in uh, 2017, and then last year, the, the no-call pass interference against the Rams, and this year, uh, things just didn't work out. Look, Minnesota was the better team, uh, especially in the second half and in overtime. Um, going into that game, I really thought that Drew Brees and the Saints offense would you know, just come out firing the electric the entire game, um, and that wasn't the case. They didn't have enough to get it done. Um, but man, LSU's in the championship game uh, coming up on Monday night, so I'm excited to see that. See if they can win it uh, for the first time in 
uh, 12 years. <laughs> I had to think for a second. Right. Uh, yeah, that, it, you have the Shakespearean S-curve going on in Louisiana with your Saints losing, even though you had said you kind of sort of expected it, but not this soon. Of course, this time, at least with Saints fans, they actually lost. It wasn't some, you know, BS no call on Nickel Roby Coleman that changed the changed the entire NFL and the, and the rules for a season. And we'll see what happens in terms of uh, if they change that rule. Do you think they should change the rule back? Uh, I mean, <laughs> are you talking about the, the, uh, the from the no call from last year? The uh, pass interference rule, yes. Yeah, yeah, I think they need to. Um, look, they, I mean, obviously they reviewed it after the game. They said it was a no-call, whatever. Uh, I mean, if you, you could still go back and watch it today, and it was obviously pass interference. But look, you can't change the past. You just got to look ahead to the future. Um, and in terms of that, and even going back to the, the uh, wild card game against Minnesota last weekend, uh, going in, I thought New Orleans had enough to win it. I thought, you know, if this was the year they were going to do it, win the Super Bowl, uh, you know, that this would have been it. But, you know, I, in terms of what they can do moving forward, I think we'll obviously see Drew Brees come back because, in my mind, I think he wants to go out as a as a champion. Uh, so I don't think he's going to leave yet. But, yeah, I, I certainly think they need, to, they need to do something about that rule. But I, I, at the same time, Tom, I don't think we'll see – uh, you know, we, we didn't see any, you know, kind of rule, uh, no call fiasco in the Minnesota game, so there's nothing to change from that. But, um, look, the Saints just continue to lose too early in the playoffs. They just can't seem to get it done for some reason. So I think internally they, you know, they may need to make some changes to get the, the right coaching staff and uh, the right mindset to truly make it to the Super Bowl, you know, in a year or two before Brees decides to retire. And Tom Brady's got to be feeling the same way in New England as he he posted about failure and he wanted to come back. And I and I have no doubt in my mind that Breeze is going to come back and he's going to want that Super Bowl as well. At some point, we need to get a Tom Brady Drew Breeze Super Bowl. That'll that'll be one one great Super Bowl game. So yeah, 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 certainly, certainly. So moving to our divisional playoff preview, we start. With the team that beat you, Minnesota, against the upstart San Francisco 49ers. So, Minnesota traveling to Santa Clara. How are they gonna how are they gonna come out with a victory in San Francisco? How can they do it? Uh Tom, you know, I, I think what they're gonna have to do is uh, first and foremost, Kirk Cousins is gonna have to be on his game, kinda like he was last week. Um look Kirk Cousins is specifically in primetime games, especially Monday Night Football. I know he's bad, but it, Minnesota has the talent around him to go in there and get the upset, if you want to call it that. Um, I, I think they can do it, but I think first and foremost, they're going to have to neutralize San Francisco's ability to take away uh, Kirk Cousins' um, ability to throw the dynamic passes that he's going to need to to win that game. Uh, you know, maybe get Adam Thielen involved, get Stephon Diggs involved early on because last week against New Orleans, that you could see it on the sidelines. I know Fox showed it during the broadcast that he was upset that he hadn't been targeted yet. So I think Diggs is going to have to play a key role in Minnesota's passing attack for them to have a chance to win and get down the field and score. 
Uh, and then in the rushing game, obviously, Dalvin Cook's going to have to be good. The other backs are going to have to be good. But when it's all said and done for the Minnesota offense specifically, I think they're going to have to rely, obviously, on Kirk Cousins, and he's going to have to step up and play a really, really uh, good, quality, solid game for Minnesota to have a chance to win. Sure. Mikey's for for a Minnesota victory. Uh, Dalvin Cook, according to a lot of people, was going to perhaps might have set out the last week because he was hurt. But nope, he played and he ran right over the New Orleans Saints. Didn't <laughs> in, in in loose terms. If he can do that in San Francisco against a stout run defense, then you could you could see Minnesota winning. Of course, Robert Robert Saleh the Niners defensive coordinator is on the block for an inter- for head coaching interviews. So if somehow you can make his defense make him think more about the head coaching interviews rather than <laughs> rather than the product that's on the field, which you probably not won't do that, but hypothetically speaking, there's another way you could beat him psychologically and on the field, as well as uh, Thielen and Diggs. You're going to have to utilize them, and Cousins is going to have to play his be- perhaps the best game of his career to get this done. The last time the Minnesota Vikings were in a position to make the NFC Championship game, it was the Minneapolis Miracle, which <laughs> I'm surprised that Brandon hasn't hung up, on, hung up on me because I had mentioned <laughs> the Minneapolis Miracle. But that that being exclaimed, um, Cousins is going to have to play the best game of his year against the defense that will take the ball away from you to get this, get this game done. And he he's... And so for Minnesota fans that are listening, you like that? You're going to have to like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I, look, I totally agree with you. Kirk Cousins is going to have to play his best game. Uh, look, San Francisco is the one seed for a reason. They're a really good team. Uh, they have a really good defense. I know in a couple of games this year, like the Falcons lost and the, the 9 up and Redskins game, <clears throat> you know, they, the defense may not have played that well. But uh, Minnesota is just going to have to come out early get you know all of their their core players on that offensive side going uh, especially Stefan Diggs and Dalvin Cook and you know I think they'll have a chance to win stat of perhaps the 49ers season maybe not that that broad but in I guess in fan terms stat of the season so far for me the Redskins covered against the 49ers without scoring a point that's that, <laughs> that's crazy, man. Look, I mean, you take how bad the Redskins were, and, and they covered, and they didn't even put up a point. That that's an insane stat. It really is. The Niners were favored by nine and a half in that game, and they only won nine to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they say that good teams win and great teams cover. Unfortunately, San Francisco wasn't great that day. But moving. Transitioning to there to them, how does San Francisco get a victory at home over the the Minnesota Vikings? Yeah, I, kind of the same thing for from the Minnesota perspective too. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to play a really good game. San Francisco is going to have to come out firing, kind of like Minnesota is. And look in the games where Minnesota has, or sorry, San Francisco, not Minnesota, where the 49ers have been great, they've Jimmy Garoppolo has played a really good game. Um, so in terms of that, if he can come out and just have the right mindset, make the accurate throws, not make many miscues, you know, stay in the pocket. I think San Francisco's offensive line 
is going to have to protect Garoppolo in the pocket today because that defensive front from Minnesota is really, really good. Um, so I think keeping Garoppolo in the pocket, giving him time to make you know the correct throws uh, and not throw into too tight of a coverage, I think San Francisco will be able to get down the field and score. Gotcha. Yeah, my keys for San Francisco is that <clears throat> Jimmy G has pretty much been the backbone of this team. But he's yet to take the field uh, in the playoffs full-time. Of course, he's been to the playoffs under Brady, but he still hasn't, he hasn't started in the playoffs. This is his chance to shine. So you have two quarterbacks that need to prove themselves in the postseason going against each other. Whoever, whoever has the better day is going to win this game. As far as the running game, Minnesota, Mike Zimmer is a defensive guy. And he's going to have his defense ready to play. So they're going to have to veer away, I think, from um, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, and Raheem Mostert. Uh, you don't have to explain to me how many times Raheem Mostert has costed me some fantasy points in DraftKings and FanDuel. God, that guy <laughs> that guy has given me nightmares. But <coughs> they're going to have to go away from him and, perhaps, and rely on their wide receiving core as well as George Kittle. Um, you've got Debo Samuel, Emmanuel Sanders, and Kendrick Bourne. And, of course, if Ken, if you're a movie fan like me, every time Kendrick Bourne scores, I reference I reference a Bourne movie, The Bourne Supremacy, The Bourne, <laughs> <laughs> the Bourne Ultimatum, etc. <laughs> so if you're going to have me tweeting that stuff, then I think San Francisco has a great chance to win this game. And, of course, the defense, the defense has got to get the takeaways that they have been. They've got to make Robert Saleh excited, um, as we've seen before on the sidelines. So, um, who's who do you think is going to win this game? I, you know what, I'm actually going to go with Minnesota, and I'll tell really? you why, Tom. It, sure. It's not because you know they they beat New Orleans last week. Obviously, they're a really good team, but I think that we're finally going to see. Kirk Cousins have a day where everybody's like, all right, Kirk Cousins, you know, he might actually be one of the better quarterbacks in the league, specifically in the playoffs. And I think that defensively for Minnesota, what they're going to have to do to stop San Francisco is they're going to have to get people on George Kittle because we saw it against uh, New Orleans in the regular season when San Francisco won uh, in the Superdome, that fourth down play where George Kittle was, you know, uh, unguarded and that little... Uh, corner out route, whatever you want to call it, there on fourth down where he looks like thirty yards. I was like, man, this is the end of the game. He's still um, not. Go- he still hasn't gone down yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's still running. <laughs> but but in terms of what Minnesota's, I think Minnesota's offense is going to be able to be a little bit better than San Francisco's. Um, defensively, I think the Vikings will be able to slow down Jimmy G and George Kittle. Uh, and did all their offensive weapons, specifically probably late third quarter, early fourth quarter, kind of take a, you know, maybe a seven, ten-point lead and close it out. Uh, but, man, I, I'm going to take the Vikings to go to the NFC Championship. I didn't want to do that because <laughs> I like watching the Niners play. I was really hoping that, that they would go. Uh, but I, I think the Vikings will be, be the better team this afternoon. And uh, let's put a score down on that. Uh, yeah, if I had to give you a score off the top of my head, Tom, I'll probably sure. go, um, man, I'll go 31-24 Minnesota. 31-24 Minnesota. My prediction, this is going to be a closer game than people think, and it's simply because 
Minnesota has got nothing to lose. They won a game that nobody, not even the state of Minnesota, expected them to beat the New Orleans Saints at the Superdome with with the Saints riding off, still riding off the no-pass interference emotions. They won that game, and so now this is they're, they're pretty much going to play this game as if there's nothing to lose. And San Francisco being the one seed, they're unfortunately not playing this game like Philly was two years ago with, with being the one seed as an underdog. Uh, they're not going to have that mentality. They're, they're, they may be walking into this game and thinking, oh, we're going to win this by two scores. It's going to be a close game. I think both quarterbacks will throw for over 300 yards. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be... I think it's going to be similar to Saints-Niners at the Superdome. I think it's going to end up a shootout, but I do think the Niners win on a last-second field goal, 41-38. Hey, hey, I can respect that pick. I really can. And I could also see the Vikings winning on, winning on the same scoreline on the same way, a field goal by Dan Bailey right at the end. Just make sure when you kick the field goal that you kick it towards the upright and not towards the tunnel. Got it, Chase McLaughlin? <laughs> I still remember those Madden memes where the guy was kicking the field goal and he'd go, way, way left. It's like, geez, I, I've done that in golf before. Just spray the ball way the hell out of the left. It's like, whoa, where did oh, that yeah, come from? I, I, I've had my fair share of doing that on the golf course, too. Trust me. <laughs> oh, that, Good and maybe not so good memories there. Uh, moving to the night game, uh, an unlikely matchup, Tennessee against Baltimore. And still, the, so far, the quote of the Tom Green podcast football season has been from JB, also known as at Mike Zimmer's ears. If Ryan Tannehill is the answer, then I want to know what the question is. <laughs> so far... Ryan Tannehill has been the answer in Tennessee, and we obviously know that Lamar has done yeoman's work in Baltimore. So Tennessee, how do they go into the Ravens' nest and come out with a victory? Uh, There's only one way in my mind of what Tennessee has to do, and it's give the ball to Derrick Henry. Uh, Last week against the Patriots, man, he ran for, I think it was like 186 yards or something like that. 186 Uh, sounds about right. Yeah, so, so if they give the ball to Dayer Henry enough, that, that's going to wear down Baltimore's uh, rush defense. And look, Derrick Henry is a big guy. I watched him at Alabama running through people. Um, and sadly, and, you're LSU Tigers along with them. Yeah, 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 bad, bad memories. <laughs> <laughs> but, but look, man, Derrick Henry is one of the best running backs in the NFL. Um, obviously, for that Tennessee offense to be effective, he's going to have to get the ball. And then I think we could see um, Ryan Tannehill come out on a couple of play-action passes uh, in the second half and really just kind of work magic there. Um, because, look, Tannehill was really effective last week, too. That, that's kind of what tied into them beating New England was Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, and then the couple of miscues there by the Patriots offense. Um, Especially the pick right at the end of the game that nobody expected. Yeah, yeah, certainly. <laughs> I, look, I work with the Patriots fan. I texted him right after that. I was like, Y'all are done. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, yeah, I, I think getting the ball to Derrick Henry is going to be a key factor in this game. If you can get him, say, in the 150-180 mark, kind of like last week, uh, that'll be effective for your running game, and that could turn into points, too. Um, so 
getting getting Henry established early in the game is obviously a key. And then when you look at the defensive side for Tennessee for what they're going to have to do, um, and I'll, I'll kind of take the the, uh, the Fiesta Bowl from Clemson and Ohio State from this too, because I was watching that and that um, that long touchdown run by Trevor Lawrence, I think it was like sixty-seven yards or something like that, where he disguised himself as a runner on a read option and just took. Last I check, um, he's still running. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but where Lawrence kind of just disguised himself as a runner and, you know, took it to the house, well, Mark Jackson did the same exact thing. I mean, we've been watching this guy for a couple of years. I remember watching him in Louisville uh, doing the same exact thing. Uh, but for Tennessee's defense, I think they're going to have to be really on their toes when Lamar Jackson, you know, is able to disguise himself as a runner because. If you can take away his ability to scramble out of the pocket, that's going to make him one-dimensional and have to throw the ball. And while he's really, really effective the majority of the time at throwing the ball, if you can, if your defense can disguise, you know, a coverage or a blitz or something to get to him, that could force interceptions, fumbles, you know, anything like that. So I think Tennessee's defense uh, from that side of the ball, they're going to have to do everything they can to get Lamar Jackson to stop that high-powered Ravens offense. Gotcha. And a quick message for Florida State fans, and as far as Lamar, sixty-three to seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I like Florida State too. They're kind of my third team behind Troy, and uh, it's been rough the last couple of years for them. Sixty-three to seven was bad. Uh, thankfully, Lamar's in the NFL now, so they don't have to see that anymore in college. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So I should ask: Do you have track shoes? I do not. Well, you're probably going to have to get them to watch this game because that's exactly how I see this game is going to be as a track meet. How does Tennessee win this game? Like you had said, run the ball with Derrick Henry and perhaps disguise it with Deion Lewis as well. Uh, whoever Whoever's going to have the most rushing yards is going to win this game. Uh, it, yeah, you can kind of see me doing the Booger McFarland meme, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's true. Um, Tannehill, of course, can use A.J. Brown and Corey Davis uh, the best he can. But the, the, key, the key to this game for both sides, honestly, is the, is the running game. How, how many yards is Lamar going to run for? How many touchdowns is Lamar going to run for? Can he, can he utilize Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews as well as Gus Edwards and um, just or, uh, Hurst, Hayden Hurst? I, was, I keep confusing him with Mo Hurst from Michigan, but uh, Hayden Hurst as well as Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards. How can he utilize his weapons as well as run the ball? And, of course, on the Tennessee side, Derrick Henry is going to have to be the machine that he was at Alabama for them to have a chance at this game. So uh, any pointers on how Baltimore wins this game? Uh, yeah, Tom, I, I think kind of just for Lamar Jackson specifically, um, he's going to have to be able to get out of the pocket, you know, use his elusive ability to run the ball. Uh, scramble out of the pocket if he's pressured um, and then get the ball to Hayden Hurst as much as you can get the ball to Hollywood Brown those guys um, and then in the running back perspective uh, you got to give Mark Ingram the ball um, that they're, they're going to have to run the ball both teams are going to have to run the ball very effectively to win this game now, I'm not saying that both teams have to be over 200 yard rush total um, but just effectively enough on crucial downs to get the extra yardage, you know, keep the drive alive, and then, you know, kind of let Lamar do his thing, run the ball, pass it, you know, maybe maybe a deep throw down the field uh, or some post routes, corner routes, things like that. Um, and then defensively, Baltimore's 
uh, rushing defense is going to have to be on point to stop Derrick Henry. And like I said a minute ago, Derrick Henry's a really big guy to bring down. Um, but I think defensively, Baltimore is going to have to be able to stop Derrick Henry. They're going to have to run the right coverages on defense in the passing game. Um, so I just think all of that's going to kind of tie into whether or not Baltimore can win. And I think the, the key factor of whether they will actually get the win is how effective Lamar Jackson can be the entire game against a really good Tennessee Titans defense. And I should also ask, uh, which one's going to be more? Amount of uh, rushing yards for Derrick Henry or pounds of gel in his hair to make to make his pigtail or make his tails um, on his behind his helmet the way they are? Yeah, I, I'm gonna go rushing yards. Because <laughs> <laughs> that that just amazes me. It's like what what does he do to make his hair just like that and to have it not uh, go get out of that shape <laughs> from the defenders that are trying to tackle you and all that. It's like, wow. Uh, so I would have to, I would have to go a push on that. Uh, Derrick Henry, 150 rushing yards and 150 pounds of gel slash tape to keep his, keep his hair the way it is. Uh, as far as score predictions, uh, I'll go ahead and go first, and they'll have you go. Uh, Baltimore. I think Baltimore is going to win this game by two scores. Uh, Tennessee. That they, they also have are going to play like there's nothing to lose. But I think Baltimore is a much better team in this perspective. Uh, in fact, they beat San Francisco. If we're if we're looking at a Baltimore versus San Francisco comparison, give me the Ravens twenty-seven, Tennessee fourteen. Yeah, I, so I really do like your pick, Tom. And all, all this week, mm-hmm. I I've been telling everybody at work, I've been you know telling myself that I was going to pick the Titans. Um, and look, I, I was kind of basing that off of last week. The Titans played. You know, solid enough to beat the Patriots. They did what they had to defensively. Uh, but look, Baltimore is a different breed of a team this year than New England is. Um, I just think Lamar Jackson and that that dynamic Ravens offense is going to be too much. Uh, I agree with you. I think Baltimore is going to win it by two scores. Uh, I'm going to take Baltimore 31-17. I, and look, I just... Even though Derrick Henry is going to have to get established running the ball, I do think he'll be very effective in that aspect. But I just think Baltimore is the much better team. I think they've got the more offensive weapons. Uh, that That's no discredit to Ryan Tannehill and that Titans offense, but the Ravens are playing at such a high level. It's almost like they're destined just to sweep through the playoffs and go to the Super Bowl. Um, but I, I'm going to take the Ravens to advance to the AFC Championship. Gotcha. So... We were split on Minnesota-San Francisco. We both picked Baltimore. Now we advance to the Sunday games. Houston and Kansas City, which Houston has traveled to Kansas City and beat them once this year. How does Houston do that again? Uh, yeah, so I, I think we're going to have to see uh, Deshaun Watson play play well again. Uh, not necessarily you know, make two guys miss in the pocket and scramble out and throw a little you know, 20, 30-yard pass like he did against the Bills. But I think we're going to have to see Watson play well. If Will Fuller is able to play, and uh, I was on social media yesterday and Bill O'Brien had said that um, so far so good, but they were still going to kind of make it a game-time decision uh, whether or not Fuller plays. So uh, if Will Fuller plays, that gives Watson an extra weapon on the offensive side. Uh, the running game's obviously going to have to be established. I know they're not, like, truly massively effective running the ball, 
but they're they're going to have to make it effective enough to keep their drive alive and have you know allow Watson to you know make passes there uh, in crucial situations on the drives too. And then defensively for Houston, um, you're going to have to stop Kansas City's offense of Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, uh, the running backs. You're, you're, they're they're going to have to get to Patrick Mahomes, get in his head early, and and make it make it difficult for him to do what he does. And look, I know Arrowhead is one of the loudest stadiums in the entire world. I know it's a really really tough place to play, um, but I think Houston. They're, they're going to have to just block out the noise and, you know, come up with a little bit better of a game plan than they did last week against the Bills, and they'll be all right. Well, one way that Houston, what Houston may have to do to beat Kansas City is bring this huge bottle of Hunt's ketchup and try to disturb Patrick Mahomes that way because, one, he loves ketchup, but, but on a more serious note, Houston has one of the quietest and most effective rushing games in the league. I usually tend to pick a Houston running back every year in fantasy football, and they have the quietest 100-yard rushing games that, frankly, we've ever seen. <laughs> they always get like 10 to 15 points out of them. So rushing game is going to have to be key. Uh, Deshaun Watson is going to Deshaun Watson's going to have to play like he did against Alabama two years ago. And <clears throat> he's going to have to find a way to make Kansas City's defense the defense that we're used to seeing, not the new Steve Spagnolo unit that's been actually that's been actually quite effective and of course like you'd said the Will Fuller Will Will Fuller is the key because with Fuller on the field they average at least and correct me if I'm wrong 50 yards and seven points more than they average without him so with Will Fuller they have a real chance at winning this game but without Fuller ooh, things could things could go really astray yeah, yeah, certainly could. If if Fuller doesn't play that, that kind of uh, limits to what who Watson can throw the ball to. But man, if if Fuller is able to play on Sunday, that's a really really um, big momentum boost for that Houston offense. Gotcha. So Kansas City, how does Kansas City get a victory at Arrowhead? Uh, look, they're they're just gonna have to play the way they do at home. Uh, Kansas City's usually typically really good at home. Uh, and welcoming in this Houston team that you know they lost to in the regular season, uh, I, I think they're going to have to kind of counter off their mistakes that they made uh, in that regular season game. And Patrick Mahomes is going to have to be really effective. Uh, their running game is going to have to be really effective. I think it all comes down to can Andy Reid and that Chiefs offense, Patrick Mahomes, those guys, can they disguise themselves enough and make it effective enough to kind of confuse that Texan defense uh, specifically in the passing game, and if they can, I think that gives them a really, really huge advantage. Well, one thing they're going to have to make sure not to disguise is Andy Reid's play sheet. we got to make sure that's an actual playbook and not a KFC or Waffle House menu. I'm sure you've seen those memes. Damn it! I thought this said KFC! <laughs> but on a more serious note, uh, Kansas City's going to have to play their game like they have been uh, like they have been after Patrick Mahomes came back from the knee injury. If Mahomes can can be himself, use Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill very effectively, get the running game going with Damian Williams and Spencer Ware, and catch Houston's defense off guard, uh, and they can I think they can easily avenge this loss. 
to Houston that they had early in the season because they're going to have that revenge factor on their minds as well. So um, who's going to win this game Sunday afternoon? Oh, yeah, Tom. So the, the weird thing is so I'm, I'm a Saints fan. I've always been a Saints fan. Uh, but I write for last word on pro football. I was covering the Jaguars for a little while. Um, and then I saw that we had a an open slot to cover the Texans. Like, we had nobody covering them. So I've been covering them, you know, here and there every now and then. Um, but I – look, as bad as I want to take Houston, I'm going to take Kansas City. Um, I just think that Kansas City is going to be able to avenge that loss at home in the regular season to Houston. Uh, I think we'll see Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense come out playing on fire. Uh, really the entire game. I don't think they'll slow it down at all. Um, I'm going to take Kansas City by 10. I think they'll win it 34-24. I just don't see this being like a really big blowout game. I know the first game, I think Houston won 31-24. But I'm going to take Kansas City by 10 at home. I'm sure you've seen the next-gen stats commercial where Patrick Mahomes is sitting with a steak and he's pouring the catch and he says, Who you calling kid? That's pretty much how Kansas City is going to come out in this game. And they are going to win by two scores because of it. Uh, Houston, congratulations for beating the Bills, the team that most of America wanted to win that game. But, similar to Tennessee, um, I will quote the legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, you've hit, you've met with a terrible fate, haven't you? Houston will meet with, sadly, that terrible fate. Kansas City, 31, Houston, 17. I like it. And then the last (coughs) divisional preview game, Seattle and Green Bay. Of course, if you've known me for a while, Green Bay is my arch nemesis. Aaron Rodgers is my arch nemesis. So be careful predicting this game. But in all seriousness, how does Seattle go to Lambeau and uh, get the ball and score? Quoting Matt Hasselbeck. Yeah, so I, I think what what Seattle's going to have to do, uh, first and foremost, look, they brought Marshawn Lynch in for the final regular season game and the playoffs. I'm just um, here so I don't get fined. <laughs> so so in, in that aspect from the rushing game, Marshawn Lynch is going to have to be effective. Uh, Russell Wilson's going to have to get the ball to DJ Metcalf. Uh, his very, very talented receivers. Look, when Seattle is playing effectively they're really really good but Lambeau Field is a very hostile environment it's hard to win there especially in the postseason if it's going to snow on Sunday um so that that gives Green Bay an advantage but I think that Seattle's just going to have to come out they're going to have to just kind of take it slow to begin with not make any miscues um and feed Lynch the ball as much as possible yes uh, if they're at the one yard line in a goal-to-go situation, they should probably, I'm not saying definitely, probably feed the ball to Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah they, I think they should. <laughs> but on a more serious note, how Seattle wins this game, um, maybe a little bit more than hope, fight, and pray, but at Lambeau, that's what Lions fans like me had to do for any chance at victories at Lambeau. Uh, Seattle... <coughs> If Seattle can utilize Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, not decaf Metcalf, Booger McFarland, even though even though that slip of the tongue actually created a coffee in Seattle called decaf Metcalf, <coughs> um, Seattle's going to have to utilize Russell Wilson 
uh, DK Metcalf, Ty- Tyler Lockett, and perhaps Jacob Hollister. Um, of course, I was I was going through school in the generation where it was Team AE versus Team Hollister, and I was Team American Eagle. <laughs> I will gladly own up to that. Uh, but utilize Marshawn Lynch in the defense. The defense isn't quite the Legion of Boom, but if they can stop the running game, because Coach LaFleur has got the Packers put playing a lot better on the running side of the ball. If they can stop the running game and make Rodgers win it by himself, losing to Aaron Rodgers, I guess, is an acceptable fate if you stop the running game. So utilize your weapons, stop the running game, and please, for the love of God, give the ball to Lynch on the one-yard line. (laughs) How does Green Bay win this game? Uh, I'm going to keep it simple with Green Bay here. Um I think Aaron Rodgers is just going to have to have a really good game. Um, they're, look, they're playing at home, uh, and I haven't checked the weather. Uh, I know before we started recording, you told me it was kind of rain and ice where you're at up in Michigan, but I don't know what the weather's going to be like in Green Bay on Sunday night. Um, but he, whether it's snowing, raining, whatever, if it's clear, he, he's going to have to have a really big game for, um, for, for Green Bay to advance to the NFC Championship. Yes, um... Rodgers, Rodgers, of course, it has to be himself because Aaron Rodgers has has destroyed me so many times in my life that I'm just used to it by now, uh, being a Lions fan. Uh, but utilizing the running game with Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, using Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard, not Alan Lizard, even though he plays like a wizard, Alan Lazard, and, of course, the defense under Mike Pettin, has been a great unit so far this year, and that's pretty much been the downfall to Aaron, the Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy Packers was the defense. Now that LaFleur and Pettin have fixed that, they are a very effective team. So this is a home game that really they should not lose, and I'll go ahead and ask how, who's going to win this game. Uh, I'm going to take Seattle, and I, I know that'll make you kind of excited, but... The, the reason I'm going to take Seattle is I just think they're going to be able to do a little bit more than Green Bay. I mean, I know it's at Lambeau. The crowd's going to be electric. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to have a really good game. But at the same time, I just like Seattle for some reason. I don't know if it's because of Marshawn Lynch being back. But I just think Russell Wilson's going to be able to do enough from the quarterback position to give Seattle a win. Wait, probably late in the game, but I think Seattle's going to come away with it. All righty. Yes, and I even asked Bill Belichick before coming on this show. You know, it's Seattle. You know, we're talking about this play on Seattle. <laughs> well, you guys lost to the Titans, Seattle. All my focus right now is on Seattle. <laughs> A little Bill Belichick impersonation there. But uh, I, I hope you're right, but something's telling me you're wrong. And I hope that I'm wrong. If we're talking like the SpongeBob Opposite Day episode where he's talking about opposites and he twists himself all around, that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. Is uh, I think Green Bay is going to win this game by two scores. Uh, Seattle it was definitely the better team over Philly and probably should have had a home game last week. But if somehow the cards play right, Seattle could have a home game in the NFC Championship. Um Green Bay 27, Seattle 17, but I hope to God I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I, look, if I'm going to give you a score prediction, I think sure. it's going to be close. Um, 
But like I said, I think Seattle's probably going to win it late in the game. So I'm going to take Seattle. Uh, I'm going to take Seattle 27-21. 27-21, a closer score line than yours truly. So now we go to the reason why we brought you in, and that is the FBS national title game, LSU and Clemson. One thing we know is for certain, the Tigers are going to win this game. Question Certainly. is, which Tiger? So we ask, just uh, just offhand, which Tiger is better, an LSU Tiger or a Clemson Tiger? Oh, it, it, it's definitely LSU. <laughs> There's no question. Look, LSU has a real Tiger mascot. On their campus, I'm for, I don't think Clemson does, so that that kind of gives LSU the <laughs> the the, uh, the benefit of the doubt there. I don't think I would have ever said this before seeing Clemson's mascot, but Clemson's tiger mascot scares me more than an actual tiger. <laughs> Man, I, I've seen memes going all around this week on social media that said that it was a picture of uh, LSU's tiger mascot and Clemson's, and it said the real tiger was LSU and the, the Tiger on meth was Clemson. I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, because that that thing looks scary. I mean, I <laughs> it, we thought that Gritty, the Flyers mascot, was going to be scary to children. Look at Clemson's Tiger mascot. <laughs> that guy looks like he's on some illegal drugs, like you had said, meth or, or coke or something. I mean, <laughs> who, know, who knows if that, that's going to fly in Clemson on uh, Death Valley and the Clemson Airwaves if they listen to this show. But still, that thing looks scary. <laughs> I don't want to be around that, at least sober. Uh, <laughs> so, on a much more serious note, how does Clemson defeat LSU Monday night? Oh, yeah, so, I look, I think what Clemson's going to have to do, and it, this is kind of a homecoming game for their running back, Travis Etienne, who's from Louisiana, I uh, didn't go to LSU, obviously, when Clemson. He's done really good things there. Props to him for what he's done on his good accomplishments. But I think ETN's going to have to be a really big factor. Uh, he was a factor against Ohio State. He's going to have to be a factor against a very stout LSU defense that took, you know, 11, 12 games to really find their, their true identity. Uh, but, man, Dave arena has got that LSU defense playing at such a high level. Um, Travis ETN's going to have to run through their defense. And Trevor Lawrence kind of going back to the Fiesta Bowl on that run play. He, he's going to have to be able to disguise himself as a runner, um, but he's also going to have to be effective in the passing game. Uh, and then when you look at the Clemson defense, what they're going to have to do to get their offense, you know, the chance to win, they're going to have to stop Joe Burrow. And, Tom, that's kind of hard. Oklahoma find out very quickly in the Peach Bowl that uh, stopping Joe Burrow is tough to do. Uh, not many teams have done it this year. The only team, in my mind, that has truly, quote-unquote, stopped Joe Burrow was Auburn, and that's because LSU only put up 23 points. Now, it's kind of hard to think that LSU only put up 23 points against an Auburn team that finished with four losses, but yes, it did indeed fact happen. Um, but going back to Clemson, I think they're just going to have to do everything they did against Ohio State to, to win the game. They're going to have to kind of bring in that game plan um, because Ohio State was a really good team. Justin Fields was a great quarterback, but now you're facing a different monster in Joe Burrow. Um so I just think for Clemson to win this game, it's going to come down to running the ball with ETN, uh, getting Trevor Lawrence effective in the passing game early, and then maybe you 
dial up some plays for him to, you know, run a couple of read options or something, get a couple of extra yards when needed in crucial situations uh, on a couple of drives to, you know, to get closer to the end zone. Clemson has not lost a football game in over two years. They're a very well-oiled machine, even though people have not noticed that because the committee didn't want to rank them number two or number one, but, but for justifiable reasons, because Ohio State and LSU were dominant this season. Uh, so, Clemson is just going to have to maintain what they've been doing. Uh, we, we talked in the FCS game with Kevin from FCS Radio that North Dakota State was a well-oiled machine. I kind of see the same thing in Clemson <coughs> on a little bit lesser scale. Uh, Travis Etienne is going to have to <clears throat> is going to have to run through the LSU defense, which uh, that's going to be hard to do. In fact, I <laughs> in fact this ice is probably not quite as effective as the LSU defense. That's how great they were <coughs> against Oklahoma and Jalen Hurts. They definitely hurt Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma in that perspective. But uh, Travis Etienne is going to have to get the ball going. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is going to have to play his game, utilize his receivers, maybe hope and pray that Will Fuller doesn't play so that he can come back to Clemson. Perhaps that, that, that there you'd have a better chance. But Clemson's a well-oiled machine, but they're they're facing a brute in LSU. And Clemson Clemson will have to fight, hope, and pray, but they, they're a well-oiled machine, and they've done this before. So um, utilize your weapons and don't... <coughs> um, don't give up, because you you got here, even though even your your own head coaches said the committee doesn't want you here. But guess what? You're here, so you they have, basically have nothing to lose. Now the part that has excited you the most, your LSU Tigers. How do they win? And of course, more than just show up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, certainly. So I, I'll throw a couple of facts out at you, Tom. I sure. don't know if you know this. I didn't know this till probably three or four weeks ago. Uh, so every single one of LSU's three national championships have come in New Orleans. Uh, the first one in 1958 was against Clemson. The one in 03 was against Oklahoma. And the one in 07 was against Ohio State. So LSU has played all three of the other playoff teams in a national championship game, and they won all three. Um, going into this game, though, look, Joe Burrow, best quarterback in the country for a reason. That's not being biased. That's just stating facts. He is. He's uh, a Heisman Trophy winner for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Heisman Trophy winner, Maxwell Award, um, just just so many, man. He he set numerous LSU records that, and he even set he reset another one that he set in the season against Vanderbilt when he threw for seven touchdown passes against Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl. Uh, the previous record was six against Vanderbilt back in September, and he reset that. Um, but in terms of what LSU has to do, Joe Burrow is going to have to be effective. And look, I, I was on a podcast with a guy from Dothan, Alabama, where I'm from, uh, a couple weeks ago after the Peach Bowl, and he said that if it wasn't for Burrow throwing those passes spot on against Oklahoma, he might have thrown a couple of interceptions. And, and that's true because Burrow's passes were literally spot on the money every single throw. Um, you go back to the couple of touchdown plays to Justin Jefferson, there were a couple of really spot on throws that if they were just – you know, a couple inches away from where the ball actually went, it could have been picked. Um, but Burrow's going to have to be effective. You've got Clyde Edwards, Elaire, fully healthy now at running back. You've also got John Emery Jr. and Ty Davis Price 
uh, the two freshmen. You've got Chris Curry. I've been high on all of those guys this season because of what they're able to do. Um, so your your ability, or LSU's ability offensively to block the pass rush is back in full health. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is probably the best back out of all four or five that LSU has to be able to block the pass rush and keep Burrow in the pocket. And then you've got guys like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, Derek Dillon, Stephon Sullivan, all of those guys that you can utilize at wide receiver. Um, and then, man, the the second coming of Randy Moss and his son Thaddeus at tight end has been a glory to watch uh, for LSU this year. He's been really, really good. Um, but offensively, I think what LSU has to do is they're going to have to come out early and score, kind of like they did against Oklahoma, maybe not as fast and maybe not as put up many points at halftime. But they're going to have to be able to, you know, Burrow's going to have to be able to throw into tight windows against a really, really talented Clemson defense. Clemson's got the number one defense in the country. So I, I think Burrow going up against that Clemson defense in the passing game is going to be really, really intriguing to watch. Um, and then on the defensive side for LSU, you've got Michael Divinity back at linebacker. He's been suspended for quite a while. Um, he said at first it was personal reasons, but there was obviously something else to it, everybody thinks. Um, and Coach Ed Orgeron said that if he was to come back, it would be for the national championship. He was reinstated last week, so he'll be back. So that gives a, an already elite LSU defense their boost back at linebacker. But then you've got guys like Caleb Von Chase on, on the defensive line. You've got senior Rashard Lawrence. You've got Braden Fajoko. You've got all those guys on that stout defensive line that can pressure uh, Trevor Lawrence in the pocket. And then when you go on the outside aspect of the defense, you've got Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams, uh, Patrick Queen. Um, what's the other guy's name? I keep forgetting his name. Uh, but the, all, the, all those guys on the defensive side of the ball for LSU, they can just really get to Trevor Lawrence. If LSU's defense can make Clemson one-dimensional, that's really going to turn this game around uh, really quickly, I think. Make sure to pick with your head, Tom, and or not your heart. Well, well, thanks, Coach. Um, even though you're sitting here right in the room, I'll I'll be sure to do that. Um, <laughs> a good Ed Argeron impersonation there. But a fun factoid: um, if you ever visit the and if correct me if I'm wrong, the Dothan Toyota, uh, there is a salesman there named Dorian. His last name is Badami. He was actually the tight end at Saginaw Valley State, where him and I went to school. Really? So if you ever visit the Dothan Toyota, ask for Dor or ask for Dorian and then tell him that we did the we did the podcast. Yeah, certainly. So fun factoid there, but back to LSU winning this game. Remember, Tom, I'm right in the room. Okay, Ed. Okay. I'll 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 be I'll be honest. Um <laughs> uh, LSU, LSU has been a dominant this season and like you'd said, their running game they're What's been their problem was quarterback play and an effective offense, and they found that this year with Joe Burrow and the running game. I personally like Little Fournette, but of course Edwards, um, fill me on his last name, but he's he's done the he's done the the main quality of the work for in the running game. Defense has been better. Uh, the defense has been the Achilles' heel so far, but because of their stout offense. They've been able to get away with it, but they they found a way to beat and destroy Oklahoma in the playoff. And if they play their game like they have, like they did two weeks ago, 
I think they can beat Clemson by two, perhaps three scores. And that's not because Ed Orgeron is sitting in the room with me. I wish. But <coughs> um, LSU has been dominant, and if they continue to play what they've done, and I've kind of said that with both teams, uh, Clemson's, Clemson's got a stout defense too. Now, I mean, Clemson Clemson got here for a reason. They beat a, a great Ohio State team to get here, and they're going to be hungry for more. But LSU... LSU has got the adrenaline and the offense on their side, and LSU is just going to have to play their game and play the defense that they did against Oklahoma. So, uh, <clears throat> who's winning the national title game? No, remember, Brandon, pick pick wisely. Okay, coach, okay, okay. Well, I, I wish I could actually bring you on the show, but Brandon's going to pick right now, not you, coach. Oh, Tom, is, is there even uh, – is that a trick question about who's going to win? <laughs> I mean, look, look, I'm going to take LSU, and I'll give my score less. I'm going to tell you sure. right now why they're going to win. Um, Joe Burrow is going to be the, the quarterback that he's been all year. Um, and honestly, I, I might as well go ahead and say this. Without Joe Brady as the passing game coordinator, I don't know that Joe Burrow puts up as – stellar of the numbers that he has this year. Joe Brady has been a very intricate part of this offensive scheme and what they've done is really, really good and I know he's been uh, wanting to, he's been tried to be interviewed by a couple of NFL teams for some coordinator positions. I don't think he's going to leave, but I I think what LSU is going to have to do Burrow's going to have to be great, the offense is going to have to be great, the defense is going to have to stop Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Justin Ross, T. Higgins, all those guys. Um, and I'll, I'll get my score prediction here in a second, but I'm going to tell you this, Tom. I think Burrow's going to throw for uh, probably in between the 400, 450-yard mark. I think he's going to throw for probably six touchdowns. And, look, he, he's going to break Colt Brennan's record for most passing touchdowns in an entire season. Uh, the record is 58. Burrow, I think, is at 54, 55. So I think he's obviously uh, going to break that. I think Burrow will have a good game. I just don't think Clemson's defense is going to be able to stop Joe Burrow. Um, now, I'm taking some heat for saying that from a couple of people, uh, especially my colleagues over at Last Word on College Football, but I just don't think Clemson's going to be able to slow down this LSU offense with how electric they are. I mean, I know Auburn did it back in September, October, whatever that game was, but this is not Auburn. Um, I, look, Clemson's got the number one defense for a reason, but LSU is about to expose that defense pretty mightily. Uh, so, with all of that said, Tom, I'm going to take LSU to win this game 56-35. College football is definitely a different game from the NFL in that, <clears throat> and you would pretty much explain why, because most games end up as shootouts because the clock, st- the clock stops so damn many times more than it does in the, N- in the NFL. And, of course, the, the teams take advantage of it, as they should. This is going to be a shootout. Uh, Burrow is going... I think you pretty much can hit the nail on the head. Burrow is going to throw for in the four to 500-yard range. Lawrence is going to throw for the three to 400-yard range. Uh, Burrow is going to break the touchdown record set by Colt Brennan. A uh, great Hawaii team that got destroyed by Georgia in the same dome that you guys are playing at. Uh, if, I, if, my, if my knowledge is correct, that it was 2008 that Brennan broke that or made that record. Uh, LSU 45, Clemson 35. I think it's going to be a late score at the end. Joe Burrow is going to punch it in himself. He's going to throw the ball up in the air to some guy in the upper deck, 
and uh, Ed Orgeron's going to have like 50 pounds of crab leg or uh, crawfish, excuse me, ready to go on the sidelines to celebrate the celebrate the national title game, and he's probably going to eat all 50 pounds of said crawfish. In fact, we asked his New Year's resolution. I'm probably gonna I'm gonna try to eat less, but I'm probably not gonna do it. Uh, sounds like everybody around America, same here. Um, two guys that you cannot go against in college football coaches, and that is Mike Leach and Eddie O. And I stand to that. Eddie Orgeron beats Dabo Swinney 45-35. And, of course, you got to admit that I do a pretty good Eddie, or- Eddie Orgeron impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, we've done all four games, including the national title preview. So I will ask the famed final question on the show. Anything else you have to add to this wonderful Tom Green podcast? No, I, I don't think I do, Tom. I, I think we, we kind of went through everything that we mm-hmm. wanted to. Um, so I, I think we're good. Alrighty, it's been a great show. A divisional and national title preview. He is Brandon Eisman, not Heisman Trophy winner Joe Burrow. But he is at Heisman Eisman on Twitter. And this has been the Tom Green Podcast.